You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Uh, Happy Monday. Uh, My name is Andrew Spade, and uh, I am uh, sort of a co-host of Unscripted usually, but Mike uh, is taking the night off, so... I'm sort of the de facto host, but I don't really accept the responsibility. So I'm just going to make Brad, I think, do all the work in Mike's absence. Brad, uh, it's Brad Ward joining me. Brad, how are you tonight? I'm excellent. I'm thrilled to be with you, Andrew. Uh, it's great to have you here. It's an honor and a privilege to be on Unscripted. I think this may be my first time on Unscripted since it's yeah, become we Unscripted. We have not really done many guests uh, yeah. since, we, since we became Unscripted. Um, and so, yeah, Paul's, Paul's chiming in already with a big... Uh, subscription 22 months in a row for Paul. Thank you so much for that, Paul. We appreciate uh, it, Paul. We sure do. Um, yeah, no, we, we haven't really been guest forward, we've been more, you know, Mike and Andrew yell at each other forward for the past, uh, yeah, you know, three or four months. And so it's exciting to have somebody else in the in the co pilot seat. Um, yeah, so you know, it's it's going to be the same show, uh, just a different voice yelling at me which is fine sure sure i will i i don't you i'll try not to yell at you andrew we, no, we, i don't what the, the, what's what the people want though brad that's they the want thing. me to yell i think they've heard i you know i think they heard enough <laughs> of my yelling uh during the live draft coverage i got quite i was ridiculed often for my yeah. dtr yeah. takes so well yeah i mean what i've found is that if you're ridiculed for something you got to lean into it so I, maybe yeah, we'll have to okay. talk about Dorian Thompson Robinson some more. Oh, but they I, don't I want to hear start, that. I, I want to start with the big news. Yeah. The big news that, that, that just just happened, which is obviously that uh, I think it was Andrew Filipponi uh, reported first that Mason Rudolph is going to resign with the Steelers. Oh, that big news. Yeah, that the biggest is that something else happened? Uh, <laughs> Mason, uh, yeah. good for them. Hey, big good news. for them. I keep yeah. him with the Steelers. That's mm-hmm. fine with me. Yeah. Uh, no, I, obviously, we got to talk about the big trade on Friday night. The Browns uh, sent a fifth and a sixth round pick to Minnesota for two seventh round picks. If I'm, I'm doing that off the top of my head, but I think that's the, the right terms. Um, and they picked yeah. up uh, pass rusher Zadarius Smith uh, for a song um, and then uh, apparently reworked his contract as well. So he is now on a one year deal uh, with the Browns for 2023. Um, there was some conversation after the, the deal came out that about how the contract got adjusted. If the Vikings picked up some of the money, we're not still 100% clear on exactly how that worked. But that was, I think, part of part of this, right? Is that yes. The, you know, the money is still in flux. Um, but obviously, you know, pretty big news uh, for a, a Friday evening in May. You kind of don't expect difference makers to move teams, you know, uh, at, at that point of the season. So. Uh, you know, I mean, I was I was stunned to sit down and look at my phone and see that on Friday evening. Brad, tell me tell me kind of your first reaction when you uh, you know when you happen to look at your phone on a Friday evening. Yeah, same. Uh, actually, didn't see it. Wasn't even aware of it until uh, my son pointed it out to me because I you know you're not looking for that sort right, of thing exactly. on Friday. Yeah, you're kind of done. For and that. yeah, exactly. And uh, so uh, thrilled to be honest. I mean, let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about, you know, what Andrew Barry has done here uh, with these yep. trades, right? Like, so a lot of times we talk about trades in the NFL and 
what should be done and all the you know the circumstance around these these uh acquisitions and a lot of uh, smoke and things that never come to fruition. But, I mean, Andrew Barry has been incredibly effective and it seems to be getting better at finding uh, these type, type of guys that, you know, make a big difference on your roster, uh, acquiring them for very little and, uh, you know, taking on, you know, in this time, you know, they give uh, Minnesota the cap relief they're looking for, but uh, and he wanted out, so it's mm-hmm. kind of ideal. He's been, you know, it sounds like we hear reports now that he was after this trade for some time. Um, it comes down now, but I mean, to execute these trades is not common across the NFL. These player trades like this, mm-hmm. and once again, he gets two picks back, Andrew, which right. is like his thing now, right? Like. You know, anytime he trades draft capital, he gets this gets at least the picks back. So he's just moving around and never losing an actual pick, which, you know, actually doesn't seem like a big deal now. But when the time comes that draft and they need to move up or something will be critical. Uh, And I just am, you know, I thought they would go on the free agency market. And, you know, Mary Kay has reported that, you know, they were interested in Melvin Ingram. Uh, as well, but like to not just be satisfied with what was on the free agency market and go a step above that. I I have to commend them for that on this, uh, you know, uh, going, uh, pushing in here a little bit with this team and this roster. It feels real, uh, when you get a guy like this, who has been tremendous as a, as a pro. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to kind of build off of what you said there, but I want to uh, show off a few comments here first. Uh, Fumble, you know, uh, helpfully correcting me uh, in the in the chat that it was two fives for a six and a seven, uh, yeah. you know, instead of what I said. So thank you for that, Fumble. And, and to Brian Kennett uh, on YouTube, I don't have to because Fumble's there to help. So I, yes. I, I can show up a little unprepared on a Monday in May. And our wonderful, gracious fans will help me out. So yes. I'm going to continue not doing my homework. And, you know, Brian, you can give me an F. That's fine. I, I would be happy to fail your I class. fully support you in that venture. <laughs> uh, so t- talking about, you know, the, the idea that, you know, you, you, you mentioned Melvin Ingram. Zadarius Smith as a player, to me, is probably, you know, I don't, I, I without like going in depth on the, the edge rankings throughout the league, a, a two tiers better. Yes. Uh, as a player than Melvin Ingram. I mean, Mel- Melvin Ingram is a pl- is a good player. He's a veteran player, but he has really bounced around, kind of become a, a little bit of a gun for hire. Yep. Zadarius Smith obviously is now bouncing around because, you know, the Vikings signed him to a contract that they couldn't, uh, you know, uh, honor because of their cap problem. But uh, but he, as far as difference maker, he, you know, he he's, in my mind, two tiers above. He really belongs in sort of, in my mind, that second tier below the sort of elite, uh, you know, he's not in Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, you know, Nick Bosa tier, but, but I think that next tier below that he is in that tier and it actually elevates him in terms of, you know, the, the depth chart. I, you know, I think he comes in now and is your starter opposite Miles Garrett. And now Okoronkwo is sort of this, you know, uh, weapon that can be deployed in a, in in depth ways and in interesting ways to to give them a third piece, it's 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 the sort again it's the sort of thing where you don't expect this sort of name to move in this sort of dead period between the draft and training camp. 
No, it's an absolutely critical move. I totally agree with your uh, assessment on uh, Ingram versus him. And, I mean, we're talking about a guy last year that started out the season, uh, you know, halfway through the season was second ranked in sacks and pressure rate. He had a 20% pressure rate at, at that point. Uh, a knee injury slowed him down in the second half or else he puts up monster numbers i think mm. uh not a you know nothing to worry about it was a contusion but yeah. uh so nothing internal that it will linger to this year but i mean he is when he has been healthy the exception of i think 21 yeah he he's double digits every year he's a three-time mm -hmm. pro bowler he i mean this guy is legit so i mean yes i agree you start him he also looks really good when you kick him inside because mm -hmm. he's got a great bull rush mm -hmm. and, and long arm bull rush that is very effective. Um, if you watched Jake's film breakdown, right? Yeah. Uh, it's exceptional. Yeah. yeah, Jake did a and, great job with it. Yeah, and uh, so, I mean, he is ideal, right? Like, th this is probably your best guy to line up opposite Miles Garrett so far in his career, I would say. Yeah, that's a great point you make, Brad. I think, you know, Clowney certainly has talent, right? But um, really not went the, through. Right, no, I, I agree. Not, not the sack. No, he, 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 it, he, it didn't translate often enough to production in the pass rush element. Yes. He was a disruptive player, but his, his impact was usually felt more in, in the run game uh, than, you know, pass. And so, yeah, you, you really have elevated, in my mind, the, the, the entirety of the defense, which is kind of where I'm going with this. I mean, we expected, Brad, there to be some improvement on the defense just naturally, moving from Joe Woods to Jim Schwartz, right, improving the coordination, the, the way that the, the defense is called, aligning the types of defense they call more to the skills that they they have, you know, the way that they play ball. Um, and, and so I think we thought that we'd see some of that, but I think, you know, I don't I, – I personally, I didn't expect this level of talent infusion on the defense. I, I, no. Know, when you, when you talk about Dalvin Tomlinson and Zadarius Smith, you know, plus Okoronkwo, you know, obviously replacing John Johnson with Juan Thornhill, I think is, a, is you know, scheme fit wise, is it's a better player, even if, you know, you wouldn't necessarily argue that it's much of an upgrade overall. But my point is, you know, they have infused a ton of talent, especially along the defensive line. And it just it feels like, you know, I, I was I was thinking that the goal, the place to be for them would be middle of the pack, 16 you know, best case scenario, 12, maybe just on the fringe of the top 10. This this move has me thinking a little bit more ambitiously. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I am feeling very good about the defense since the McLeod and this move combined because uh, kind of changed my thinking about this defense totally. So here were my questions, right? My questions yeah. were, man, I don't want to run Alex right out there. Mm -hmm. for 500 snaps because we know Okoronko has never taken more than like 520 snaps or whatever. And, uh, you know, are we sure he can take on a, a bigger load? Do we have, are we relying on Isaiah McGuire and Wright to fill that extra snap load? Like last year where you got Alex Wright for more snaps than Clowney, even like 550 some snaps at a 38 PFF grade, right? Uh, not ideal. Yep. That's my concern coming into this year. Okay. And then, wow, all of a sudden this move, 
you have a starting caliber, Pro Bowl caliber rusher who can move in and outside to add with Okoronkwo. So if you think about the money like that team spent on top pass rushers, what the Browns really did was take that similar money, right? That they mm-hmm. that you would pay the twenty million dollars you would pay for a high end pass rusher, and they got two of them, they, right. and they got oh, and they got Oboe, and they got him, mm-hmm. and now what you've done is you have a terrific three man rotation because uh, Smith plays more like Garrett's amount of snaps in his, right. over his career, eight hundred snaps. So now you know Okoronkwo, you're only asking at bare minimum for that 500 snaps. And if you get more of it, of him, because you can get a lot of third downs and ideal pass rushes where you can get all three on the field at the same time. I mean, how fun is that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you're looking at a lot of creativity up front there, uh, especially with, you know, you've got McGuire and, and, and right. And all these guys that could flash as well, but now they're in a role where you're only asking them to play, a couple hundred snaps, but they're pl- playing around really talented guys, which gives them an opportunity to really flash. Like instead of right being stuck in a, hey, we need you to set the edge for 500 snaps. Welcome to the NFL. You right. know, right? none of that is going on. You're going to, it's just, it's hard to put into words really how much better of a situation this is. I also want to point out a little bit, and I hit on with Jake this the other night. This move, Andrew, feels like I I have to admit that I was hard on the Browns front office for some mm-hmm. things they did last year. Yeah. But if you think about now, the rollover cap money, mm-hmm. even though it appears they neglected some parts of the roster, yeah. timing wise, with his with Watson's suspension, it's yeah. kind of yeah. making sense now why mm-hmm. they waited yeah. and I, I, to I, push I, in yeah. till now. And I want to I want to get into that for sure, yeah. but I want I want to talk about what you said just now, right? Yeah. Um, about you know kind of where their rotation is on uh, at the edge, the talent they've added at defensive tackle between the draft and you know three free agents at the position. Even though I know that we don't you know think too highly of Maurice Hurst or Tristan Hill, but but players, right? Depth. Um, you know, and and so my question for you is, and I'm putting you on the spot here because it's, you know, it's unscripted. This this question just jumped into my head. Uh, do you think the Browns have, I know the production was not there last year, but do you think the Browns have the most talented defense in the division? Yes. Now, now I do. Now I do. They've moved into that conversation with this move, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's how big it is. On paper, Talent-wise, no question. When you look at the secondary, and you look at the edge rushers now. Uh, it's really hard. I don't. I would like to see somebody make that that uh, argument that they are not at this point. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I, this is a good chance for us to plug the OBR. We're, we are doing, you know, position by position breakdown of all of the positions on the roster, you know, from now through training camp. And so it's running back week now. We're going to go through the offense. But, you know, later on into June, we're going to be doing the defense. And we and one of the things that we started doing is ranking the position rooms at each position. You know, and I want to talk about the quarterback position room a little bit later. Uh, but, but you know, to your point, you start stacking up the different rooms. I mean, you look at the cornerback situation for the Steelers, for example. It is dire over there. You know, they, they, they almost had to draft Joey Porter Jr. at the top of the second round because he's probably going to play 
pretty soon, right? And and you know how rookie you know cornerbacks, especially outside of the top ten, can fare, uh, you know, in their first season. And so you know, I know that the Ravens lost some talent on defense, and uh, I know the Bengals did as well. Now I think Lou Anarumo in Cincinnati gets so much out of his guys, right? He so does. Yeah. I, I'm not going to sit here and say you know at the end of the season the Browns will have the best defense. I want to say that. Uh, because you want talent to match production, but you know um, I haven't seen Jim Schwartz in Cleveland. Uh, the hope is that Schwartz can do similar things with the Browns defense that Anarumo has done with the Bengals defense, and he, I think he's got more talent than they have in Cincinnati, and so it, it just gives him even you know more to work with. But I, I you know so I'm not trying to say the best defense because I think there's some other intangibles, right? But the most talented defense, it feels like it's a conversation, and it's just. You know, it goes to show that when you add difference-making players like this, it can change the entire conversation about a unit. I mean, the Browns have been – today, you know, Jake Burns had a great uh, tweet today about, you know, today is national uh, national writers discovering the Browns' um, roster day, you know, because the Darius Smith trade happened in a window where nothing else was happening. Yeah. And so they're looking at the roster and like, oh, oh. Yeah. You know, so it's but it is it, it starts this conversation of how talented their defense is. And and you stop thinking about it in terms of can the defense just be decent? And I'm almost sliding back to where I was at the beginning of last year, expecting the defense to be a really strong part of the team. Yeah, they should be right. It's it, I think they will get there. It's a matter of how fast they get there, I guess, is my concern. Right. Like mm -hmm. I trust Schwartz to get there. Interesting stuff today along this line about the. uh I don't, did you see the tweet? I don't know if it was today or yesterday or whatever about the man-to-man uh, -man and zone yeah. EPA mm -hmm. stuff. I did. I yeah. mean, <clears throat> how incredible is that? Uh, yeah. Twenty yeah. fourth in their secondary last year was twenty fourth in EPA and zone defense, yep. and second in man-to-man. -man, yet Joe Woods ran mm -hmm. zone. You know, whatever. It was like 50, 50, yeah. It was yeah, like, 50, like, yeah. Like a, 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 an absurd amount of time. And uh, you wonder, like. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. They had this data 
yep. in the building. Yep. Why? Why was uh, you know? Why yep. was that not adjusted? It was one of. Uh, I mean, I remember talking about this with you on post game shows last yes. year during the season. The, the question was always, you know, it seems like when you would see him during the week, Woods would be in these press conferences and he would say all the right things, and it would seem like he had the right idea, and he'd talk about wanting to do more of this and do more of that. But then game day came around, and it never looked like what he described. You know, it was, it it felt like there was just a gap between his vision of what the you know the defense should look like, and then what they actually did on Sunday. And it was, yeah. it was vexing, you know, because I think he was schematically very smart, but often in game it just didn't show up the way that you would expect it to. So, uh, you know, uh, I think that was probably the biggest disappointment of the Joe Woods tenure because obviously he put together individual game plans that I think you could argue were kind of up there in the league in terms of just their quality. And, you know, he, he, he shut down Lamar Jackson a few times, really gave Joe Burrow fits a few times. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I'm not thinking of others, but, but what you're looking for from Jim Schwartz really is just do the things that the data suggests and we'll be all right. And of course we know that Schwartz is, you know, analytically, uh, inclined. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, I get it. Like, so I don't want to overreact to those numbers because it is a zone league, right? We know you have to be able to play zone in the NFL. It's just when you have these guys, you want to use them mm -hmm. as best as you can. And when you see that second and man-to-man, -man, you feel like you should have leaned into that a little bit more, right? Right. At least. Yes. Um, yeah. And you're absolutely right. There was a total disconnect of what he described and what we saw in the field. You know, the, the biggest thing, like, with the defense for me was there was no – they just didn't have an attitude. They didn't have an edge. They didn't have an identity. They seemed lost uh, mm. searching throughout the year, right? And obviously yep. they got better at the end of the year again. Um, yep. So, well, and you know – that Brad, that brings me to another dimension of this that I want yeah. to touch on, is that Rodney McLeod is doing NFL Network stuff right now to try and transition into a broadcast career after he finishes. But obviously, he signed with the Browns uh, two weeks ago now, and is going to be the sort of third safety. He said on air, you know, talking about this move, he's excited that there's another guy his age in the yeah, locker room. On the I, I think that's I think that's telling, right? Because yeah. they were a very – now, and this sort of gets into your point about what they did with the roster last year. They were a very young defense last year, a very young defense. You know, a guy, Alex Wright, who's 21 years old, playing significant snaps uh, in his rookie season out of UAB. They were they were young across the board. And it's it's clear that part of this concerted effort, Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith, Rodney McLeod, I mean, to a certain extent, Juan Thornhill, these guys are veterans. They've done it. I mean, Thornhill has won a Super Bowl, right? So, like – these guys have the pelts on the wall a little bit that they can start to shape this defense and give it the sort of identity and attitude that you're talking about. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think getting older makes sense as you push in, you autumn, you know, you want your roster to get older. I think more than like, obviously those are all really good players, but I think, uh, and a lot of people will shake their head at this, but it absolutely matters their influence on the locker room. Like mm -hmm. the kind of nonsense we saw last year with this defense will not be accepted by a Schwartz and now the veterans in the room. And you've heard nothing but glowing stuff about Zadarius Smith as a locker room guy, as a personality, as the kind of person that he is and what he brings to a locker room. Same thing with Rodney McLeod. Uh, so I, I totally think that they are, 
I, I've questioned in the past there, mm -hmm. and pointed out there's a difference between accumulating talent, as we said, hey, this defense looks like the most talented defense right. on paper, and building a team, right? These last few moves feel like the team-building kind of moves that you want. Great point. Uh, in, as you move and try to transition into what feels like an all-in mode for them. Mm -hmm. And timeline-wise, as we mentioned, it makes a lot of sense as you get your first year of Watson. You know, you mentioned, you know, what Jake's tweet. It's interesting. I've been talking a lot about that, too. The Watson tax on these power yeah. rankings, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. they're in the teens. ESPN had 30 guys vote, and they were like 19th. And I'm right. going, wait. But you know what? It's a good thing. It's a good yep. thing. The, the more that they can sl sl stay under the radar and off of these things, you know, PFF, of course, put them at ninth before this move. And right. Kevin Cole had a tweet today about, like, pointing out that everybody yep. is sleeping on the Browns roster. But the more that they can stay under the radar for whatever reason, even if it is the Watson tax, and I think it's a lot, along with people don't want to give you know be it you know give watson credit or anything like that or right. stay away from that narrative it's mm. also that they want to see it first from him of course. Of course. and i get that yeah. but once again on paper it's really hard to make an argument that this isn't one of the more talented rosters in the entire nfl now the afc is loaded right? right it's an arms race what that translates to is to to be determined right um the schedule did them no favors in this manner. Uh, I'm I think talk about the schedule actually, because I, you know, yeah. I, I think uh, the one one thing that I've been thinking about with this is that the defense is 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 if they if they the defense can start strong, that's an if, right? But if they can, um, they are in a position to give the offense a little bit of breathing room over the first month of the year. When they do, they they play teams, you know, other than the Bengals, the teams that they play traditionally are lower scoring teams, right? I mean, the you know the Steelers, they're going to make it a rock fight. The Titans, same thing. Uh, yep. The Ravens, we don't know what their offense is going to look like with a new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, they always play play the Browns tight. Um, you know, and so you you've got the, this list of teams where three of the four of them, you know, do they have the best offense? We're not sure. They they always play well defensively. It if the offense struggles, if Deshaun Watson takes a few games to get into his rhythm, the, the, the defense being this talented, if they can hit the ground running, because defense is easier to, to coach and to scheme up than offense, right? Yep. There's less timing. It's more read and react and hit somebody in the mouth. That gives the, 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 the offense a little bit of wiggle room, right, in that first month of the season before they get to the bye week. Yeah, you hope so, right? Like, uh, how important – I was thinking about this with the schedule – like week one, week two is so critical, and I hate oh, sure. when it's like that, right? Like, so <laughs> say you go out and you lose week one, mm -hmm. think about the pressure that will be on this team going into Monday night football in Pittsburgh, where traditionally, with the exception of an empty stadium in the COVID year, right? Uh, they have been bad, right? Like, yeah. yep. and uh, so. It's yeah, I I don't think we're losing week one either. I so I agree with you, Keith. Um, but the you know, you are playing the Bengals, so it's always yep. in the realm of yep. outcomes. And I'm just saying, if it did go that way, mm -hmm. you know, you're looking at already week two, a really high leverage 
high Absolutely. pressure situation uh, for this team that, you know, we like the Schwartz hire, but it is a new DC. You know, it's also interesting too, the Greenbrier stuff, the long off season, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the training camp is going to seem ex- so long for this team, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're going to be training camp for six weeks. Yeah. July 22nd. I mean, mm-hmm. This is going to be a long training camp. So I like the Greenbrier thing. I think mm-hmm. that's a good thing this year, especially with the way the schedule came out. It's interesting, too. The uh, Not that it matters, but the preseason, they get the uh, – do you see the preseason? They get the Eagles and the Chiefs mm-hmm. back-to-back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it all is kind of lining up to be a really intense, you know, Hall of Fame game, long, you know – yeah. intense, drawn out. They go to Greenbrier. They get the Eagles week. I mean, this is going to be, this first month of the season is going to be so huge and so important for this team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to not put, like, so much into that, right? Like, yeah. uh, the whole season kind of looms in this in this first four weeks a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they, they the way their schedule is structured, they really cannot afford a slow start like they had no. last year. They can't be two and four, and so it puts it puts some pressure on them for this preseason mm. to be effective, right? And so, you know, they've got a few weeks of OTAs left uh, to, to to work on things, and then they they're they're quitting early because they are starting early, right? So, yeah. you know, I mean, looking at the calendar today, it's the fifteenth of May. Uh, right. So we're talking about uh, just a little bit over two months before they're in training camp. I mean, it seems crazy to say that, but that's where we're at. And so I think your point is well taken that it is going to feel like a crazy amount of time that they're, you know, because the first game is not until the second weekend of September. That's, yeah, you know, you're, you're talking about every bit of six plus weeks of, yeah. of waiting around and speculating. I mean, obviously, it'll give us plenty to talk about, which is great. You know, we love that. But, uh, yeah, the, the buildup for that home opener against Cincinnati is going to be intense. And so, um, you know, a, a lot of pressure, but also a lot of opportunity. I think it cuts both ways. And so I, I do, um, I, I think it's good. And I wonder, I worry about, I wonder about the, you know, we talked about the Watson tax and how they've been flying under the radar, but you know, maybe not so much right now with the dead time and people taking a look and PFF noticing certainly, right. Uh, with all that time, being in the Hall of Fame game, does the hype get, you know, naturally wound really high, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting. I think, I think that you know, it, it seems like they have, are taking a different approach to this off season, right? To try and get them, you know, in a different state of mind, and and so, you know, it, it, the hope would be that the players that they've got and the and the way that last the last two seasons have gone is enough to keep them from thinking that they've really accomplished anything before the season starts. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's – it's. I my guess would be that the next week or so will be a little bit of positive, uh, you know, for the Browns, and then it'll go yeah. right back to their, the, like you said, the 19th best team in the league or whatever. And as you said, that's, you know, that's probably, uh, you know, where they should be based on how they performed last year and just the questions. You know, a, a lot of those power rankings, I said this last week, are are reactive rather than predictive. And so – they are. You know, they're not trying to they're not trying to say what's going to happen. They're trying to say what has happened. And, yeah, you know, I think I, I think it's it's not a it's not a, a mistake that a lot of the people that are talking about the Browns right now are football savvy type people that are looking at the actual moves, how the you know, how it gets how the 
you know how the uh, I can't think of the uh, the expression all of a sudden how the how the the meal gets cooked yeah how the what what is the expression how the cement gets made what gets made I don't know what you, which which expression you're reaching <laughs> how the for, stew brother. gets made whatever gets the made, stew right? gets made I, yeah I, sure. How the dinner gets cooked, right? Or how the meal yeah. gets made, uh, the process. How the sausage, made. The, how the sausage. Thank yeah, Thank there you, you go. Yeah. Well and, done, uh, gentlemen. Uh, well, that just tells you, uh, uh, you know, I, in more ways than one, not prepared for this show. The point is, is that um, the, it's the people that are paying attention to people that are paying attention to every roster move, right? Whereas writers like Peter King, they come in from 30,000 feet and they say, well, Watson wasn't good. So 18 yep. or whatever, you know, it's, it's that simple for them. Yeah. They're not, they're not even looking at a depth chart when they do those power rankings. So yep. uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think it's probably likely that they will cruise under the radar all the way through the preseason. And then, you know, it'll be rubber meets the road time in September. I want to go back to what you brought up earlier, Brad, the idea of them kind of taking it easy last year, once they knew the Watson situation was kind of going to be as ugly as it ended up being. Right. And he was suspended for more than half the season and they maybe didn't make some moves that they could have made to make the team a little bit stronger to avoid some of the problems that they had. And I, you know, I, I think that, I think you can make a strong argument that that's the case. And I would, I would add to that that I think you could make it also make quite a strong argument that they really made a mistake in doing that because I understand that part of it is rolling over cap to this year. Mm-hmm. But they were seven and ten, mm-hmm. and they were in so many games that it's realistic that a few signings, a few key additions, you know, if they didn't have to play the defensive line that they played against the Falcons, they win that game, right? And I think you can have that conversation about a few different situations. And I, th- I think in the NFL, there's no guarantee, you know, and so. Um, the idea that, that I think you can credibly say that maybe they did punt last year. And I, I think, uh, you know, to a certain extent, that was a miscalculation by them. I, I agree. It cuts both ways, right? So it's, I was very critical of mm-hmm. what yeah, appeared were, yeah. to be obvious gaps and holes in the roster yeah. that should have been addressed if you want to call yourself a contender, which they were uh even giving away games early they were still in contention um that they never should have given away right the falcons and the jets game never should have lost and would have made a world of difference but they were still in it down the stretch so you can absolutely make that argument i guess uh i'm looking at it now trying to be positive and that i agree you can criticize that absolutely but that you know they chose to use the resources this year when you get all of Watson and not maybe you know the six game Watson that you got after seven hundred days off and you have a better chance of putting together a season where it all clicks and you win the whole thing, yeah. um, which was kind of far fetched last year. Although they were in the thick of things, and in retrospect. I was very critical at the time. So I agree with you uh, to that. You can criticize that and may have been a, a miscalculation, certainly a defensive tackle. Right. Yep. Um, and could have been addressed, but uh, the way that the timeline is falling now, I'm trying to give him the, them the benefit of the doubt as they are making the moves you right. want a contender to make when it's time to push in. 
and they're doing that with Zadarius Smith and Rodney McLeod. So I, I, I want to, you know, give them credit for doing that now. Yeah. Okay. And so Keith Nash, uh, makes a point and I am not trying to be mean Keith, but this is the funniest spelling, funniest spelling of Ndamukong Sue that I have ever seen in my entire life. That yes. is a plus material, Keith. Thank you very much. Um, uh, but 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 it brings the question up, Brad. Who's next? Are they gonna? Are are there more moves to be made? It's a great question. Um, Thank you. Listen, I don't know if listen if they add any. In my opinion, I think they're pretty much done, except for maybe a veteran running back. Uh, they seem to be. That seems to be the the main hole in the roster right now, like an obvious one, right? Like. Mm -hmm. They need a veteran running back, at least in camp, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then defensive tackle is, once again, we come back to this, right? I just think that with Smith, uh, Garrett's ability to move inside, his ability to move inside, what you can maybe do with Alex Wright moving inside. You don't know with Perrion Winfrey. you got two lotto tickets. Listen, Maurice Hurst is an incredibly talented player. If he sure. could stay healthy at all, yep. he could start if he could stay healthy uh, right. next to Tomlinson. So mm -hmm. uh, I like him, especially just on a talent level, uh, but health, right? So sure. I don't know. Where do you come out on this? Do you think they have to add, like if they're really truly pushing in, yeah, you would want to see them add somebody more proven to this room to start next to Tomlinson. Do you feel that way about the room? Well, I, I, you know, the, the criticism that I made in March when they signed Tristan Hill and Maurice Hurst was, I don't know how you sign those guys. What's the point of signing them if they're not going to play for you? Right. Because they're veterans, like they're not developmental players. They're ready to, pro to produce, to contribute now. And so it felt like if you're signing those guys, you're really not leaving room for another starter to come in. Now, they've shown at other positions, like obviously they signed Okoronko and now they went out and got Sedaria Smith, right? So they've shown that they'll just add another hat on top of the hat they signed and just be happy with more, you know, depth at the position. Yes. So, yeah. you know, Matt Ioannidis that, that, that Paul Spencer brought up, you know, wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at this point. I, they, you know, Going back to Rodney McLeod, uh, Jack Duffin wrote up his contract. He signed for that veteran salary benefit, which is basically, you know, it costs the Browns less uh, around a million dollars on the cap. And, and he yeah. gets, you know, two point something. And, and it's this deal. If they can get Matt Ioannidis or Shelby Harris to accept one of those, I think you have to. Right. I mean, I think you have to add that sort of a proven player, um, you know, because you can't trust the health of Tristan Hill or Maurice Hurst you know at all but but if they do add that player there's 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 not room for all those guys they're going to keep probably four defensive tackles given yeah. what they have at edge um they just cut Roderick Perry today uh so you know guys like Tommy Togiai are so far out the door it's not even funny but but even guys they signed this offseason like Maurice Hurst and, and Tristan Hill will be on the roster bubble then which is an interesting place to be signing a free agent and then cutting them before the season starts hey I think that's how you operate when you're when you're in this mode. Uh, I agree. So, you know, if they can do it, that's fine. I think you also they will trust what Schwartz says, right? right. Like, right. if Schwartz is like really feels like he can get 
more out of a guy that people really like coming out of the draft in like Jordan Elliott, right? Mm -hmm. Like who has been asked to play one way and now he's going to be asked to play a totally different way. And Schwartz is like his defensive tackles aren't asked to two gap. He just wants them shooting in the backfield and disrupting. Like they aren't, it's a totally different concept than than they've been used to in the NFL. Right. Mm -hmm. And can they get more from a guy like that? Does he think a guy like that can be productive for him all of a sudden with the change right. in role? Um, these are things we don't know, right? really. Um, but, I mean, by all accounts, playing defensive line for Jim Schwartz, he makes it easier on you, right? right. right. He has a sign, you know, he has a sign in his office that says, any scheme that gets Miles Garrett... A one-on-one is a good scheme. Uh, I love that, right? Like, he had that put up in his office. Like, So, I don't, I think he, this guy gets it. If he feels like he needs another body, they can do it. They can mm-hmm. go do it. Um, but I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on what that looks like until the season, as opposed to last year where it was like, this room is shit, right? <laughs> this room is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing? Why are they not addressing it? Right. Um, right. But I, I think they can. I would not be surprised to see them do that with the moves they have just made, and I'm all for it if they want to. Uh, yeah. But I think there is a path with the guys they have to figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. They've got more pieces for sure uh, because they, you know, the only person that they, or the only player, I should say, that they lost from last year is Taven Bryan. You know, and then obviously they've brought in a, a bunch of new bodies. So overall, there's just more guys, right? There's yeah. more NFL quality guys there than there were last year. And so, um, you know, like you said, it's it's Jim Schwartz's job to sort all of that out. Uh, and if he does, you know, the the job that he normally does spots the talent, then, you know, I, I do think he has certainly earned the benefit of the doubt that if he says I'm good at defensive tackle, you know, like, like we can take that chance. Now, I think the other thing that, that comes up is, uh, you know, if, if we accept that last year they were not, you know, pushing all their chips into the middle of the table, then this year, if they're to week three or four and the run defense is horseshit again, then that's when you could make a trade for a player that's on their the last year of their rookie deal or something like that that can come in and contribute this season, right? And 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 add talent the day they walk in the building. And so that's where the you know that's where the Andrew Barry is is that obviously he's you know. The Zedarius Smith is, is such a statement of intent. That trade is such a statement of intent it that is. it gives you the sense that any opportunity that comes across his desk, he's going to be aggressive about. I think we always knew that, but there's no breaks now is the point. There's no, there's yeah. no, well, let's wait till next year. Let's be conservative. It's, it's now, you know, and, and, and really in a way making this trade further commits them to being all in, right? Because it, it moves them that much closer to contention. Now, you know, you mentioned it earlier, the AFC is loaded. Um, I wanted to talk about one specific uh, dimension of that, which is, you know, the, 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 the tweet from Kevin Cole that you mentioned. He does this thing called the Improvement Index, where he looks at the free agents added and free agents lost yep. and estimates, you know, how much a team has improved or, or uh, not improved, <laughs> worsened, I guess. Via uh, uh, and, war, yeah. right? Wins above replacement, I think. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. And and so the, the Browns are now, I think, fifth by that metric. Uh, and the three of the four teams above them are the worst teams from last year. The Texans are way up there. 
the uh, Panthers are way up there and uh, the Bears are way up there. Um, the other team that's up there is the Jets, and a lot of that is obviously the Aaron Rodgers situation. So, um, you know, in a world where Aaron Rodgers is, you know, not back to being 2014 Aaron Rodgers, the Browns have improved more than any other contending team in the league. And so I just wanted to talk to you now that the Zadarius Smith thing has happened, we're going to assume they don't make another big move between now and training camp. So let's just quickly rank the teams in the AFC uh, on where you have them talent wise. Let's not talk about production and what they've done in the past. Let's just talk about the talent on the team. Let's rank the teams in the, in the AFC. We don't have to do all 16, but let's just try and do, you know, like the, the top half, because I, I did this with, with Jake before the draft on his podcast. And, you know, we, uh, we didn't, we, we, you know, we kind of had the Browns in like that six to eight zone. And I, I really think between the way that they drafted um, and, and, and the signing of McLeod and the trade for Smith, I think they're probably now the third or fourth most talented team in, in the AFC. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. I think I would have, I think I had like the Patriots eighth, ninth or eighth. And then I had the, um, you know, the, uh, yeah, this is maybe not a good thing to do on the fly. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Uh, so I brought it up here. I will make, make one point about the, Please, that war. Uh, but I've been watching that too on PFF, right? The, they've done it all off season long and adjusted it, you know, every couple weeks, right? Uh, uh, initially the Browns took a huge hit. Um, so not only did they recover from by losing Jacoby Brissett. So you take a guy that was your starting quarterback last year and it takes a huge hit to your team war. So they were initially like dead last because of the loss of just great point the production from him great point and then uh so they had to overcome that and mm -hmm. move all the way up so they would probably be, be like first if it weren't for it's a great point. that kind of glitch in the war uh metric yeah. there i had i hadn't noticed that so that's a great yeah. piece of context to add to this whole conversation okay so um let, let me go eight eight through one here um okay uh, because I've got, yeah, the bottom half of the league, I've got, that's no problem. So eight, I've got the Steelers. Uh, hold on one second. That's four. Well, hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> doing this on the fly is so hard. Nine. Yeah. Okay. So I don't have the Steelers at eight. Um, I, I think I've got the Patriots at eight, if I remember correctly. Okay. And then I've got the, uh, the Chargers at seven. Okay. And then the Jets at six. The Ravens at five. The Dolphins at four. The, no, I still, I still one off because I didn't do the Bills. Okay, I got to write this down, Brad. I'm sorry. I thought I could do this. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking as well. Um... It's Casey is one, obviously, right? Casey, I have is one. I have Bills is two. Do you have okay. that? Yeah, one, I two? agree with that. I, I agree with that. See, I think the Browns might be three. Okay. That sounds crazy, so, but. So what other teams are in the running for three? I think Jacksonville is. Yep, I agree. But I think their defense is just so rough. Okay. 
And then, uh, I mean, that would, and then maybe the Bengals or Ravens, right? Um, mm -hmm. Would be the only other teams I would consider talent-wise on the roster in the running for three. So I'm fine with the Browns at three after this move on right. paper right. talent. Yeah, I think it's Browns, Bengals, and then I think I have the Dolphins ahead of the Jaguars. Okay. With the yeah. whole J Jalen yeah. Ramsey thing. Yeah. You know. You're right. I didn't even think about that. I would go probably go Dolphins, maybe Jets, Jaguars. Yeah. See, that's where it gets tricky. The AFC is so loaded. Oh my yeah. goodness, this is so the, hard to do. The Jets um, have a ton of talent on they both really sides do. of the ball. They really do. It's the offensive line is the question mark, right? But uh, yeah. and, and for the Jaguars, the Chargers as well. too. Yep. Yep. Um, so so I'll go. You know what? I'll stick with my guns. I don't think the Jets are going to be as good as everybody thinks because I don't think the offense is is going to be as good. Okay. It's. I think it. It wasn't just the quarterback being that terrible. So I'll go. Jags. Jets. That, that's eight. Oh my god. So I've got the Jets eight. <laughs> I got the Jets eight, the Jags seven, the Chargers six, Dolphins five, Bengals four, Browns three, Bills two, Chiefs one. Okay. I think I've got mine done here hang on Go ahead. I'm fin all right so i have chiefs bills browns Bengals, jags dolphins jets how many is that <laughs> <laughs> i think that's seven so that would be the chargers next is it the chargers or is it the ravens Oh my God! I did I did the whole eight and I left the Ravens off. Oh, jeez. I, I I think that <laughs> I will go uh, Ravens there. I think that <laughs> yeah, the, the Ravens absolutely should be in the top eight. Absolutely. Eight, yeah. I think that uh, all three AFC North teams are in the top eight. Ian, with a great comment. This is why we only talk about logos. I should not have done this impromptu, Brad. I apologize, but yes. But you know what? It's it's incredible to do this because. You, if if this is if, you know okay so the the we agree on the Chiefs right yep we we agree on the Bills yep and then you've got really you've kind of got a tier that is the Browns the Bengals the Dolphins and then maybe the Ravens yeah I, I listen I think the Jaguars are going to be really good okay um, yeah I, I mean I don't disagree with you I I love Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, so yeah. I think like they made a, a a step last year, and it yep. feels like they're going to make another one. Um, okay. I could be wrong about that. I think the Jets are super talented on paper. Does it come together? Is Rodgers as good as he has been? That's all the question marks there, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, Ravens are good. Chargers have been, gotten better, absolutely. It's an arms race, and it's, it's an absolute it's arms race it's in the AFC. It is unbelievable. And then you look at the NFC, and it's like, are you kidding me? It's uh, yeah, dog shit top to bottom. So I, yeah. according to this ranking, I've got the Steelers 10th. Yeah, I mean, uh, I probably have them a, a, maybe even further down, maybe like 11th, right? Uh, I think I would have them further down than that. I don't respect the Steelers this year. Yeah, it's just it's, a it's just, dangerous yeah. thing to say because they can beat you by mucking it up anytime they want, and that's how they win a lot of football games. Oh sure, I absolutely. Just, Ton of respect yeah. for them, unfortunately. Yeah, but, it's just like but, the yeah. 
talent wise, I can't put them up there. So really, it's like we. I mean, I think we think the Chiefs. Do we think the Bills are in the same tier as the Chiefs at sort of the top top, just because of Josh Allen? Um, or is it yes, just the Chiefs? And, and no, I think the Bills are right there. Uh, I think uh, Bean has made some yeah. savvy moves this offseason to mm-hmm. their roster at running back, uh, at defense. I kind of like what he does with that roster. Now they, right. you know, they are dangerously in that area of missing, not missing the window, but right. every year they don't go to the Super Bowl. It feels like a failure at this mm-hmm. point, right? Yeah. So they're yeah. in a dangerous place, uh, but they absolutely, I think, should be right there with the Chiefs. Okay, so that's we've got sort of a tier of two at the top, and I think you know Bengals fans would feel that they deserve to be in that tier as well. They feel like they should be there. I, I listen. I think that um, if there was a BABIP for uh, right uh, for football. Yep. Theirs would be uh, incredibly fortunate. Three fifty, yeah, for the It'd last uh, two years, right? That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I would, I would make the argument that there's like a six team, six or seven team tier below those two top tier teams that will have yeah. to sort itself sort itself out this year. You've got the Browns, the Bengals, the Ravens, all from the AFC North, and then you've got the Dolphins and Jets from the AFC East. And then you've got the Chargers and the Jags. So you've got seven teams fighting for five playoff spots. Those are why, all playoff you know, teams. Yeah. And and you know, it's why we have we we talk about we talk about expectations for the Browns. And I I you know, I this is not where I expected this to go, but looking at this list, you gotta win your division, man. You do. Because you you, you might have to be a you might have to have eleven wins. To, to win a wild card spot. You you really might. You really might. Because there's going to be a few really bad teams. The you know the 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 Colts I think are going to be pretty rough and the Raiders and the you know the Titans and, and the Texans, potentially even the Broncos. And then obviously most of the NFC. But you know there the what we have seen, we saw it last year, a bunch of these teams now some of it is you you cannibalize yourself and so you you know all these teams lose to each other and they come back to the pack. But but there's there's a good chance that you're going to need at least ten wins to, to, to win a wild card, and and you just you know I, I know that every team in the Browns division is good, and the Browns finished fourth last year. But boy, do they really have to win their division? Yeah, it's interesting, and I wrote this in my things. I think I know about on my schedule thoughts. Yeah, um, coming down the stretch with with the uh, Bengals, right? Because um, if you're thinking about winning the division. The the tough start helps at the end, right? Because the Browns get the Bears at Texans, then home Thursday night football against the Jets. So you get a 10-day or that mini-buy, and then yep. the finale in Cincinnati. Meanwhile, the Bengals finish with the Vikings at the Steelers at Kansas City, and then the Browns in Week 18. So... uh in comparison, yeah. I take yeah. the Brown situation there. Yeah, that's down a great stretch. point. That's a great so. point. Well, like I said, I didn't really expect to impromptu rank the AFC, but but I do think you know the point that I was trying to make with all of that is that I do think that the Smith move, 
the Browns were really hanging around the bottom of this tier of, you know, six, seven teams that are trying to be contenders. And I really think that this move moves them up to the top of that tier. They're definitely not in that next tier uh, without Watson being, you know, proven in my mind. But, uh, but I think that they're firmly in the contender tier just because I think the defense now reasonably can be expected. I mean, I guess let's, so let's finish on that. Based on the Smith and McLeod signings, plus everything else we've seen them do with the defense this offseason, what do you think a reasonable expectation is for this defense just in terms of, you know, uh, their statistical production in the league? Um, I want to uh, – top 10 for sure. Like, they should be top 10 talent-wise. You want them to be top five – uh, if everything falls into place, right? Like, because right. you have Miles Garrett, you have Denzel Ward, you have superstars on this defense, and now you've added around them. I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Schwartz could produce a top five defense with the talent he has coming off edge and the secondary that they have, which just got ranked, what, third or fourth in the NFL, their secondary, right? Right. Uh, right by Mike Clay. Uh, so the talent is 100% there. It just hasn't come together yet. Uh, culture needs to change on this defense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Schwartz is there. It should. Veterans are there. It should. Um, how quickly can it come together? You like that long training camp. You like the Greenbrier stuff. You like them getting uh, a week against the Eagles to see who you how you measure up. Yep. Um all of those things, I think, will help you, the defense, come along. And as you mentioned earlier, defenses tend to come along faster. Mm-hmm. So maybe your defense can win you a couple games early while the offense gets it sorted out, if if need be. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where they're at now. And I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that at the end of the year they're if they're not a top five defense, they're playing top five defensive football <clears throat> right, right. at the end of the year. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think it really, uh, I, it hadn't really occurred to me to think about it this way before, but, but uh, thinking about, you know, this move in the context of giving Watson a little bit more space to operate and, and, and Stefanski even a little bit more space to operate because, you know, a strong defense is going to give you, give the offense a little bit more time. And that is, you know, something that I hadn't really considered because I, I was of the mindset of just hoping for an average defense and really putting the pressure on the offense to be great to kind of yeah. carry the team. That's the way they've built this thing, right? They're, they're paying Deshaun Watson so much money, you know, with the amount of money that they're, you know, spending on the offensive line. This offense should carry this team. Uh, they've got an offensive head coach, et cetera. But they've also put themselves now in a position where, they don't have to win that way. And if, if the offense can be the offense that it was last year, but the defense is top 10, that's a playoff team and potentially winning the division team. That's how, that's what a yeah. difference it would make. Yeah. Your ceiling is, your ceiling has gone up uh, because sure. you can expect so much. You can potentially uh, get so much more from your defense. It's there. Yep. The room for the defense right. to be great is suddenly there. Yeah, right. That's exactly the way to put it. There's a path now for this defense to be truly dominant. Yes. But I think it was it was really straining credulity to believe that they were going to be a truly dominant defense. But that's, you know, I mean, again, I know that we're beating a dead horse here, but that's how good of a player Zadarius Smith is. And it's a great trade. So uh, we we spent the entire hour talking about it. I really, you know, hats off to Andrew Barry for uh, 
making a move in mid-May to give us something to do on a Monday night. That was uh, incredibly thoughtful of him. Um, of course, also thanks to you, Brad, for joining me, uh, you know, on relatively short notice and uh, handling all of my off-the-wall questions with a plum. Uh, what's, going, what's going on tomorrow night on uh, All Eyes on Cleveland? So it's not this week, all right? Sun's got a playoff baseball game tomorrow night. So uh, it probably should have been announced at some point, but Barry knows. Uh, <laughs> it, All Eyes on Cleveland will be on Thursday night this week. Okay, so great. back to uh, just this week, just to accommodate the uh, Chicago Falls baseball uh Chicago calls black tigers baseball uh the black tigers. yep the black tigers baseball uh, the fans want to know yeah. who your guest is yes there will be a guest i never announced a guest until a day before oh so. i see that's a that policy well, i didn't realize that was company uh, policy that's it's fine. not company policy i'm efforting multiple guests let's just gotcha. say that yeah okay you've got your your hands in some pies or something yeah sausages being made currently something like that, got to, that got to, yeah, yeah I, I don't want to say i was gonna say i've got some sausages but no then that, <laughs> that wasn't gonna go a good place uh, with that so uh, uh well, yeah. we, we appreciate you keeping it pga 13 at least brad thank you so much for jumping on and joining us thank you to all of you out there for uh following along in the comments and and you know the comment section was rocking as always we appreciate all of your support uh so uh tomorrow night garage beers at nine uh this is a week on for the obr weekly so that you'll have the obr weekly at seven on wednesday and then uh, all eyes on cleveland i'm guessing eight o'clock on thursday brad uh yeah let's go with eight o'clock uh and uh <laughs> eight or seven, seven or you know yeah. keep Evening keep time. your eyes peeled uh, it'll yeah. be at seven or eight um right. look to the and western sky at dusk and you'll see brad there you'll um, see me there i'll yeah. i'll you know if you follow me on twitter at word on sports i will make sure you, you are informed yeah. uh the best chat in the world i love this chat like you know so good so it great. really took me uh actually coming on and doing my own show for whatever a couple months now to really appreciate uh this chat because Look at them all. They're like 7 p.m., 7 p.m., 7 p.m. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll do it at 7. Only it, only reason we would do it at 8 is if my guest needs accommodated. There so, you go. All right. Uh, so you got a full week of programming to look forward to yeah. on the OBR streaming network. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, for Brad, uh, for Ian McBride behind the scenes, I'm Andrew Spade. Thank you, and uh, go Browns. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 